You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. The world that we live in is pretty well confused right now. A bit upside down, or completely upside down and backwards. But this is nothing new. I'm the type of person that likes to think about what it would be like to live through a certain time in history, other than the one that I'm in. (laughs) Well, this is it. This is history. This is what every generation has to deal with in one way or another. Things being less than perfect. The world being a mess and all of us needing to find a way to get through it. People like to describe life as a journey. And if that's a true way of talking about life, then we have to admit that right now, everyone's journey has come to a hard stop. For many, it feels like they may never arrive at their journey's end. But we also know that even when the world was not in pandemic, everyone starts down their path and they never really arrive. There's always one next stop. There never is a real destination. We never make it home because it seems like home is a place that never really existed. And now, everyone's journey has stopped without much of a warning. Can we even dream of home again? We've all stopped moving around, our journeys have stopped, and now we all share struggles and problems. That's something that we can't overcome. And even in the midst of that, however, we are all still facing different challenges. And everyone was hopeful about this for a while. Will this finally make us all start working together? But instead, as usual, people are either working to survive or working to get ahead. And for the most part, everyone is trying to do it alone and for themselves. Everyone is trying to make their own journey, and they're trying to make it alone. But you know what? That is lonely. (laughs) So... In light of that, here is our big idea for today. Even in loneliness, you have a home and belong because of Jesus. Even in loneliness, you have a home and belong because of Jesus. Okay, Wade. I get it. I am not alone because Jesus is always with me. That's cute. But, it's more than cute. It's true. However, this morning, we can not only see that simple truth, but we need to see everything that supports, that holds up that simple truth, and dive into the depths of how this has been good news for every generation that has waited on and has trusted in Jesus. Some of you have been suffering the depths of loneliness and despair during lockdown and this pandemic. Some live alone, or maybe you wish you did. (laughs) 
Many of you live in a house with others and usually you feel quite comfortable, but now, even surrounded by people, loneliness has struck. Maybe it's the masks, maybe it's the social distancing, whatever it is, you're trapped. Perhaps you've been lonely for a long time and only now in the midst of government-forced loneliness do you see what that has meant for you and how it has worn you down. We'll get to Jesus in this, but first I want to take a quick trip through Scripture so that you can see loneliness. Not to make your or my loneliness smaller or to make it seem less severe or less important. No, quite the opposite. Maybe like what the writer of Hebrews has to say in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. I'm going to throw loneliness in that category. Every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now there at the beginning of this first verse, we're talking about sin, but this is also a great reminder of the many who have come before you. The many who are with you and know you every week at church, or at least those that are close by right now and listen to these sermons along with you each and every week. And it's also a reminder that there are many who will rest in and rely upon Jesus that will come after you. But like all good stories, let's start in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. And we know how it got started. God spoke and things happened. When he spoke, when he created, everything was good. Day one, good. Day two, good. Day three, good. Day four, good. Okay, you get the idea. And as God is going along, as he's creating, he creates man, and then he creates woman, and he looks at the completed creation, and he says, this is very good. Every little plant, every animal, both the humans, everyone had a friend. They had a group that they belonged to. Adam and Eve were in good relationship with the world around them and with each other and with God. It, who they even walked alongside during the daytime with the lights on. <laughs> they walked with God. But we know what happened next. Sin. And their rebellion gets them removed from the garden. Adam and Eve literally cut themselves off with their sin and their rebellion. That, that good relationship went from being harmonious, it went from being very good to being loneliness. They were accusing each other. They were hiding from each other and from God. 
They were trying to hide themselves. They were making themselves lonely to try to get away from God. That rebellion has always continued. We're reminded by the Apostle Paul in, in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, that even to this day we separate ourselves from relationship with God because of our sin and the sin that we carry with us through our first father, Adam. In fact, earlier in Romans, uh, chapters 1 and 2, we see the depths of selfishness and loneliness that our sin leads us to. We see there in Romans chapter 1 that our sin leads us to the wrath of God. Which is interesting in Romans 1 because God's wrath does not look like the type of thing that you would imagine. For instance, we had many people saying that COVID was the wrath of the ancestors and that COVID was the wrath of God and so on and so forth on this people group and that people group. We have no doubt that COVID-19 is the product of a world that is falling apart like it has been for a very long time. But wrath in Romans 1 looks like you getting exactly what you want. All the selfish and self-serving sins that people are involved in, Paul says in Romans 1.28, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what they ought to do what ought not to be done. Then you know what happened? Their sinfulness got worse. <laughs> and we know what happens when we only serve ourselves. We can never be pleased by anyone other than ourselves. And we have to isolate ourselves and hide away from the world because it just doesn't understand us. We have to make ourselves lonely. Our rebellion against God is a rebellion really against ourselves and it's a rebellion against our neighbor too. And on top of it, after a long list of sins, Paul says in Romans 1.32, and they give approval to those who practice all of this rebellion against God. So kind of the, the, uh, the pinnacle of sin there is Yes, saying that whatever you want to do is good to your neighbor or to yourself. All right, well, we talked about creation. Let, let's move on from Genesis. You know what? Let's talk about the lonely confusion of our friend Job. If you don't know Job, he has a book in the Bible. <laughs> Probably the oldest written book in the Bible. And Job only has two friends. His wife, who encouraged him to die so that he could go ahead and just get all of his suffering over with, and Elihu, who worked to help him understand the true nature of God's work in the world and of his goodness and greatness. If you want to go back and, and see someone that understands loneliness, though, after great, great suffering, and, and then three other friends who don't have a clue what they're talking about, Read Job 29 through 30, and you'll see a man who is lonely, who is in need of help and in need of God to come to his rescue. He starts looking back on his life. I'm going to jump ahead to 30 and just read a couple of verses from it. And he says, all the people that looked up to me, now they laugh at me. Men who are younger than me, 
whose fathers I would have disdained to set with the dogs of my flock. <laughs> they, they laugh at me, they mock me. I have now become their song, I am a byword to them. They abhor me, they keep aloof from me. They do not hesitate to spit at the sight of me. Because God has loosed my cord and humbled me, and they have cast off restraint in my presence. Verse 16, chapter 30. And now my soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. The night racks my bones, and the pain that gnaws me takes no rest. God has cast me into the mire, and I have become like dust and ashes. I cry to you for help, and you do not answer me. I stand. And you only look at me. We could keep going. It's some pretty heartbreaking verses to see the loneliness of Job in chapters 29 through 30. We could jump forward in the biblical story. Think about Jacob, a man who betrayed his brother, um, lied to his father, uh, He's spurned then by his brother, chased all the time by his brother. He now has the weight of, of uh, a people following him, a new tribe that is dependent upon him. He has two wives that he has to please. Sorry, ladies. And finally, he chooses in the midst of his loneliness, I'll just wrestle with God because that's maybe the best thing I can do right now. Or what about Rahab, the prostitute? who knew the dark side of her own people and the culture that she was in. And she knew it enough to know that the God of the, these two men that found themselves in her home, Yahweh, that this was a God of good news compared to what she was used to. <laughs> and yet, he was also a God to fear because of the greatness that came along with him. And for a time, she knew loneliness. She was alone, the household that bowed to the true God, while everyone else was an enemy to God's people. In Joshua chapter 2, verses 12 to 14, we read where she's saying, Look, I know your God, and, and I like him. <laughs> Just please have mercy. I'm going to help you, and you please have mercy on my family when you come and take over our city and murder everyone in it. And then we see that the Lord does deal kindly and faithfully with Rahab. In fact, she becomes a part of Jesus' bloodline, a part of Jesus' ancestors. And yet, for a time, both because of her profession, which made her not know people in a good and healthy way, and then the fact that she was the only one of her people that trusted in God, she knew Loneliness. Jacob knew loneliness, right? What about Ruth, who was an enemy to God's people by her birth, who could easily have had to uh, follow her mother-in-law and then need to sell her body to make ends meet? Or her mother-in-law could have died and left her all alone in a strange land. She knew loneliness until God sent a rescuer to her, and she, too, became a part 
of the Lord's ancestors. And what about her great-great-great-grandson? I think it's five great-grandsons. David. This guy out there tending the sheep. The lone soldier facing a giant of a man. Being chased by a king who wants to kill you. Being chased by a son that wants to kill you. A man constantly cutting himself off from relationships because of sin, just like you and I do. He knew loneliness. In fact, he often sang of his loneliness. Psalm 25, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all of my sin. For Psalm 69, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. Or what about the psalmist in Psalm 119? I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. This is a man that knows loneliness. Among all the Psalms, a word which means praises or a collection of praises, there are songs of thanksgiving, like the one that we read this morning, Psalm 65. But there are songs of anger and heartbrokenness, of betrayal and joy and fulfillment, and also, like these, of loneliness. And all of those different types of psalms are not just there so that you can feel like you're allowed to experience all the ups and downs. But those psalms are there to comfort you, to remind you that you will experience all those ups and downs in your life and in your relationship with God. And those psalms are, are there because you need them. All the psalmists, they knew loneliness. Or what of Isaiah? He is a man of unclean lips that comes from a people of unclean lips. You can read Isaiah 6 for that. Who is set aside by God as an instrument made righteous, not by himself or by the people that he came from, but by God himself. And judgment passed over him in the form of hot coals on his lips. Lips that were given the perfect word of God to speak and to be written down. A perfect word that contained prophecy that looked forward uh, up to 800 years. To the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus. And, and countless prophecies in between that time. And a big prophecy that we're still waiting on today for that last day. For the... The, the final day where all things are made new. You can find that woven through the last ten chapters of Isaiah. And let me tell you, he knew loneliness. Or Jeremiah. He knew loneliness before he was sent on the task that he was given to do. God told him in Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 27... So you shall speak all the words to them that God gives to him, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. 
Jeremiah, I'm sending you on a failed mission. Good luck. Jeremiah knew loneliness. He knew loneliness when he was thrown into a pit to die. When he was told by God not to go down to Egypt because surely he would die there. And he did everything that he could to avoid it. And yet he was kidnapped by the king and taken down to Egypt where he died. Outside of his homeland. Jeremiah knew loneliness. Or listen to this, Ezekiel chapter 3 verses 8 to 11. Behold, I made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you receive in your heart and hear with your ears and go to the exiles to your people and speak to them and say to them thus says the Lord God wherever they hear or refuse to hear Ezekiel who would later be told to act out crazy stories in the middle of the main road for all to see his craziness he knew loneliness or fast-forwarding, what about Peter, who denied Christ? Would he ever be received by anyone again for denying the greatest oath that he ever swore? <laughs> Surely I'll stay with you. I'd kill for you, Peter would say. His best friend. Peter knew loneliness. Only then to be forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and accepted by Jesus. Or Paul, blinded in Acts 9. Paul being stoned near to death in Acts 14. Paul being shipwrecked in Acts 27. Paul being imprisoned many times and given the opportunity to end his own suffering in Philippians chapter 1 verses 18 to 30. Where Paul, as church history has it, on his way to get his head chopped off. <laughs> he knew loneliness. And what about John? John the Revelator, on the prison island of Patmos, the last of his kind, the last of the disciples and the apostles. He knew loneliness. And we don't have to stop there. What about the Christians hidden from the Chinese government right now? What about our brothers and sisters in North Korea who are under threat daily with every word that they speak? They know loneliness. What about your neighbor right now? What about the person next to you that you're listening to this with? Or the person that you would like to be sitting next to at church every Sunday? They too know loneliness. So what now, Wade? Well, there's one person that we skipped right over. The last person that we would maybe think of, but the first person that we should turn to and trust in in these times. Jesus. Jesus knew loneliness. Not just because he was the only kid at school that was truly God and truly human. No, he went through his whole life set apart 
and despite having many close friends who followed him everywhere he went, there was a disconnect between him and them that they could not understand. But let's just fast forward to the end. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, on that night, he knew loneliness. In fact, on that night, he took all of the loneliness upon himself. He took all of your sin, your rebellion on his shoulders, and walked a path that no one else could, and that no one else would follow him down. Even his best friends could not stay awake as he prayed about it. They all left him. Some of them betrayed him. In a sense, they all betrayed him. He was alone in his humanness. And in his divinity, in his godness, the weight of your sin and mine caused him in some mysterious way to experience a God-forsakenness that David cried out about in Psalm 22. Jesus knew loneliness. In death, Jesus experienced your loneliness and joined himself to you in it. Because we have a great high priest who is able to understand all that we experience because he experienced it too. Take a minute. And imagine yourself, the younger son in the story of the prodigals, the, the story of the patient father. You've cut yourself off from everyone that loved you. You wished your father dead and wasted yourself and your inheritance only to wind up lonely and eating with the pigs, actual pigs. You're alone and tired. And you want to get home, but you do not know if home exists for you anymore. You don't know if you can be accepted back there. It's going to take someone coming out to get you. And for them to take you home. It's going to take a father who's been waiting on you to place his, his coat, his righteousness on you. And justify you in front of everyone else there at the party. It's going to take him picking you up and carrying you to the end. You may have left this father. But he picks you up out of your loneliness. And he tells you that he will never leave you or forsake you. The never ending journey of life actually does have an ending in that story. And in that end, we find Jesus. Jesus is the God who runs down the road to gather up the prodigal sons and daughters who are lost and in need of all of the promises of God that protect us from the suffering of, uh, from the suffering through loneliness alone. Right? It protects us from suffering through loneliness alone. He picks us up so that the truth of those promises can be spoken to us. Like in Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10, Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Or Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one, 
who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exult over you with loud singing. Or Leviticus chapter 26, 11 to 12, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you, and I will walk among you, and you and will be your God, and you will be my people. Whereas Jesus, from his very lips, reminded us, as he sent us out, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Or perhaps we can end where we began this. Hebrews chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, even the weight of loneliness, and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured every hardship and suffering for you. The sin that you inherited and the sins that you commit that force you into isolation and loneliness, he took all of those upon himself. And he endured every hardship and suffering and carried every sin for you. And he has a gift for you too. Yes, himself. Yes, himself through his word. Yes, himself through the spirit. Um, yes, God, the father who is looking down upon you and is always there to pick you up and to bring you back into the party. <laughs> but he's also gifted you the church from all ages. Looking back all through the Old Testament, through the new, looking all back through church history. Looking at the church around the world right now, and that includes even your local church, Anchored. So that you will be surrounded by a great multitude of God's people who speak of his goodness and his graciousness to those who used to think that they were in this life alone and without help. Jesus endured every hardship to forgive you your sin, to remove your shame, to give you a home and a new people, a new tribe to belong to so that you do not have to face loneliness alone. Christian, in loneliness, you have a home and belong because of Jesus. Until next time, Know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.